BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where to infinity and beyond, more like to infin AD and beyond, because the Lakers have Anthony Davis all locked up like Akon till 2028, thanks to his brand new three-year extension. Also, Captain Austin Merica is very good. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And after a little July hiatus, we are back feeling very refreshed and rejuvenated by all the little happenings that are going on in Lakersland. Uh, Tommy, how has your last couple of weeks gone for you? Are you starting to feel the swell of the new NBA season coming? I'm not, actually. I think I'm just like, obviously, people know, you know, or maybe people don't know. I've been distracted with personal life things this year. So it's, it's like life has just been passing by so fast, but it's, uh, it is exciting. I occasionally, I like have all of a sudden hit this stretch where I haven't had time to follow it. I guess this is a good time. This is normally like the time of the off season that drags the most for me. It's like after the draft, after summer league, you know, a few weeks after summer league, when things have sort of settled down and free agency has settled down and, it's not it's like quiet on the rumor front and there's this like two month gap until like training camp starts and it's always kind of brutal to get through that but it's been flying by i'm excited man i I think like in a month right it's like training camp is starting or as of you know when we're recording this so it's uh i guess in that sense i i am i am getting pretty excited but it's it's been busy but good because it's distracting me so yeah, this is your reprieve from your crazy, busy-ass life. Uh, and we also have a FIBA basketball play as well, so hopefully Austin Reeves continues to ball out. That's right. Uh, Tommy, a lot has changed since we last talked, though. Twitter is no longer called Twitter, but some weird Vin Diesel porno fusion of a website, X. LeBron James formerly stated that, fortunately for all of us, the time for him to hang up his basketball cape is not now, so he will be back next year, officially. As I mentioned, Austin Reeves is currently balling out with Team USA in FIBA play. And Christian Wood, 
Well, he's still unsigned. So that part hasn't changed one bit. But outside of that, a lot has happened in the last two or three weeks. None more important, though, than the two-way signing of Alex Fudge, but also Anthony Davis. So as you all know, Anthony Davis has signed a new three-year, $177 million contract that should take him up to the 2027-28 season in which he has a player option. So that goes to, or that contract is about $60 million a year averaged out annually, and this will cover Anthony Davis's age 32, 33, and 34 seasons starting in 2025-26 when his last contract ends. And yeah, to me, this is another sign of the Lakers holding true to their word that they take care of their stars. And for me, you know, I know there's like a sticker shock sort of deal here when people see the number of $60 million a year, but I feel like we were kind of prepped for this when we saw Desmond Bain get $60 million a year, you know, like Tyrese Halliburton get $60 million a year. Yes, I know Anthony Davis is going to be older and he's going to be in his like early to mid thirties towards the tail end of this new extension. But to me, seeing him this past year and the accolades that he achieved, even at age 29, to me, this was sort of a no brainer. And before you go and give your thoughts on this, I'll just really quickly run through 80s accolades in 2022-23. So Anthony Davis in the regular season averaged 26 points, 12.5 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 1.1 steals, 2 blocks on 56-26-78 shooting splits. Obviously, you wish the 3-point shooting would be better, but you can't have it all. But with respect to those averages, Anthony Davis had a career-high rebounding year last year, 12.5 rebounds. His last highest rebounding year was in 2018-19 with the Pelicans when he averaged 12 rebounds. Also, Anthony Davis averaged a career-high shooting percentage last season at 56%, which is way above his normal field goal percentage average, where he's typically shot around 50%, and his last highest, he shot around 53% three other times in his career, but 56% is obviously a very big jump. And to me, the fact that he's doing this at year 29 is very encouraging because it kind of shows me that... Yes, Anthony Davis is getting older. Yes, he's lost his explosiveness. Yes, he's lost his first step. But he could still also be getting better. It just may look different, you know? Also, with regards to his free throw shooting, it actually came back around this past season. 78% is the highest he shot from the stripe in the last three years. Last year, he shot 71%. The year before that, he shot 74%. So hopefully he can put it all together this upcoming year and bring back the three-point shooting and bring back the three-point efficiency. And then obviously this past playoffs, you guys already know, I don't have to spell it out for you, but Anthony Davis is coming off a tremendous defensive player of the year playoff run where he averaged 23 points, 14 rebounds, which is a career playoff high, 2.6 assists, 1.4 steals, three blocks, a career playoff high, 3.4 blocks to be exact. And Anthony Davis led the entire playoffs in blocks and rebounds, even though he was ousted in the Western Conference Finals. And even though he left in the Western Conference Finals, he still led the entire playoffs in total blocks with 50 blocks through 16 games. The next highest block total was 34 blocks from Al Horford, who played 20 games. So Al Horford even played four more games than Anthony Davis, only had 34 blocks, Anthony Davis with 50 blocks. So 
with that all laid out for you, I mean, for me, it was easy. I was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Yeah, it's three years. Yeah, Anthony Davis is going to be older. He does have injury and durability concerns. But to me, this made the most sense, regardless of whether or not you're already sort of forecasting injury doom towards the tail end of that contract. But yeah, what are your thoughts on the AD extension? And did you have any sort of sticker shock by it? I didn't have any sticker shock. I Look, it's a function of a rising, annually rising salary cap and a max contract that's based off of percentage of the cap. Every year, there's going to be a new all-time biggest contract from now, like until this, they stop, right? We're like in this steady increase and there's going to be a jump even in a, in a couple of years, right? But like, there's going to be a new it's like the quarterback thing and if people are nfl fans like every year there's a new quarterback who's the highest paid quarterback of all time you know it's just like that's just how the salary cap works um i think just like for some people maybe using an example from another team might help to level set a little bit because i think like watching our own guys all year year after year can cause a focus on on these sort of low points Mm. Kawhi leonard is 31 years old and in four years with the Clippers, he's played in 161 out of 308 possible games. He's only been able to stay healthy in two out of their four playoff runs. And prior to joining the Clippers, he missed 22 games with the Raptors. And he missed 73 games, obviously, the prior year with the Spurs. He's in a similar boat contract-wise to AD in the sense that like him and actually Paul George, too, right, are both eligible for extensions of the summer. And if the Clippers have issues coming to terms on an extension with Kawhi Leonard, there will be a laundry list of teams lining up for the chance to pay this guy the max amount, the maximum contract with the maximum amount of years. All you're doing with this kind of stuff, right? Injury is a risk with any player. Now you can say AD is maybe slightly more injury prone, okay, than maybe your typical player. But all you're really paying for with these megastar type players lebron ad you know on our team and obviously like Jokic and curry and like all these like megastar players in the league is like the chance to be in the conversation at the end we saw it this past year right we sort of limped into the playoffs we had this poor roster we had to really push to get the seventh seed it's like people sort of take for granted what this team was able to do like in those circumstances Mm -hmm. but like just having LeBron and AD is what carried us to the Western Conference Finals. You know, when we're talking about AD's extension, like he was already going to be on the books for this coming season, right? So we're tacking on three more years to that. So four years, let's count it four years total, including this season. We know two of those are going to be with LeBron. So for some reason, if something weird happens and we have to trade AD in the next couple of years, his trade value would theoretically be the highest during this like short-term period. And so like after that, what exactly are we worried about, right? We're talking about two more years of guaranteed money. One season post-LeBron, we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to expect us to be super competitive like immediately after LeBron anyway. And then after that, AD is an expiring contract. You know, so it's like, and then if you think about it, like, you know, what do you do with that expiring contract? Worst case scenario, someone is going to give you like one first round pick or like one young player on a cheap contract or something for Anthony Davis, right? Someone, again, also trying to take a shot like, okay, I only have to pay. Yeah, I have to pay this guy 60 million, but it's for one season. If I've built up like a crew of young players on cheap contracts, like, Maybe I'll take AD for a one-year risk and try to make a championship run, right? Mm -hmm. 
I think like this is the normal life cycle of NBA assets. I think trying to time that now is how you end up with no stars. It, you know, and considering the possible outcomes here, I think the worst case scenario, like AD doesn't, AD gets hurt. He doesn't end up playing a ton. Like it's actually, it's not that bad, you know, kind of comparatively. Like we're not talking again. It's like when LeBron's on the team, LeBron's going to want his guy. 80s his guy. So half of this contract was going to happen anyway, at least two out of the four years. And I just don't think that it's like the fact that people could get all worked up. It's like, I think it's what ends up happening, right? Is like, people end up thinking about the number 60 and how that could be allocated to other players that currently exist, you know, are exist in the league with their current contracts. And like, that's not how assets work. Like we can't, Oh, well, why would we pay 80, 60? We should just get Luca. Like, no, no, no. It's like, it, 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 like you have to take what you have and what you can get. We traded all these first round picks and the young players to get AD. We're going to keep him. We won a championship. We made the conference finals, you know, at least in two of his four years so far. Already the trade, you can make a strong argument, has paid itself off. And oh yeah, why would we let him walk at the end of this when we can, like, flip him back later in a few years and try? I'm not saying we're going to get something, but, like, people are acting like AD is going to be like Roy Hibbert and, like, at the end of this contract. <laughs> like, we're going to have to trade a second-round pick to dump him somewhere. Like... I'm not saying we're going to get like Jason Tatum for this guy. You know what I mean? But like, we're going to, you can get like a future protected first. And then it's like, you start replenishing those assets that you used to get them. And then it's like, then you really look back and it's like the whole trade really made a lot, even more sense. And so it's like, I just, I, I think people get really bogged down in the injury stuff and ignore that there are so many teams in this league that would pay AD this contract. And it's sort of like, you know, on a much higher scale, like sort of like what happened with the Gabe Vincent thing. You could make an argument. Is he worth 11 million? Is he worth 9 million? Like 8 million? Like you can make your arguments, right? But the reality is the Miami Heat were trying to pay him like 10 million. So if you want him, you have to pay him 11 million, you know? And it's the same thing with AD. It's like someone is going to pay, not just even someone, most of the teams in the league, if they had cap space, would pay AD the max. So, you know, like you, that's your market. You have to pay him the max to keep him. And we did. And I just, to me, again, it's a no brainer. I just think that, you know, honestly, I, I feel like there's nothing else to talk about. So people need to question whether this was the right move. And and it, to me, it just so clearly was, it, it feels like almost a waste of time to, to sort of bring it up. For sure. And you kind of covered the asset valuation aspect of it, which I appreciate. And you outline the worst case scenario, which again, isn't even a worst case scenario. And so to close this first segment, I want to focus more on AD as the basketball player and why he may actually not I don't even want to use the word live up to this contract because he already has lived up to even this extension that hasn't even occurred yet. But with regards to if you're even just thinking about the post LeBron years, right, you can argue about whether or not AD is enough. Obviously, he's not going to be enough. But if you're thinking long term and looking at the guys who are already on this roster who are a little bit younger than AD, like Austin Reeves, you don't think having an Anthony Davis next to Austin Reeves will continue to help his development? Right. You know what I mean? Or having Max Max Christie's development, Max Christie with with Anthony Davis, Jalen Hood Shafino, if he's still here, like having Anthony Davis, you want to have even if you don't think Anthony Davis is the star you want to build around in 2026-27 because he's a big man and usually you want a primary initiator in your 
number one spot as the like Batman to your team, you still want to have AD there as some sort of core pillar for your team. And maybe by that point, maybe Austin Reeves is the number one guy, you know, but AD is still there to help him out. And, you know, the comp that I used on Twitter that has actually gotten a lot of buzz is I kind of comped it to the San Antonio Spurs rebuild on the fly, you know, with Tim Duncan after David Robinson left. And, you know, you can easily make the comparison and the parallels between Anthony Davis and Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan found a way to still be very effective towards the tail end of his career because he was very he was a very skilled and smart player, which Anthony Davis is. He's going to lose that athleticism and explosiveness the same way Tim Duncan was a much more explosive player when he was younger in like 1998, 1996, when the Twin Towers thing was still a thing with him and David Robinson. But after the David Robinson era, the Spurs were able to rebuild on the fly with guys like Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Bruce Bowen, et cetera, et cetera, because they still had Tim Duncan there. And if you look at Tim Duncan's career, actually, some of his best years came in years 30, 31, and 32. You know, technically, this is a player's prime, right? Right. And obviously, with Anthony Davis, there are a lot of caveats to that because we have seen him go down in multiple seasons, have seen him pile up all these injuries and stuff like that. But with regards to like the best case scenario of how I could see this playing out for the Lakers in the future and what they're trying to do to bridge the gap post LeBron, to me, this is also a no brainer with regards to the basketball aspect of things and what Anthony Davis can provide this team. Because again, as I mentioned, he's not going to look as explosive, fast, or athletic as he did even two years ago, or even the 2019-20 bubble championship. But I think what you are seeing is Anthony Davis continuing to get smarter. I mean, he averaged a career high 12.5 rebounds last year, right? Career high blocks. Like, he's getting smarter, he's getting better, and most of all, you're gaining more continuity with him, Austin Reeves, and whoever else is going to be part of that core moving forward. Maybe Max Christie, a tier below that. You got Rui Hachimura, maybe Vanderbilt if we extend him, Maxwell Lewis, JHS. Whoever you want to include in that crop, just making sure that Anthony Davis is at the center of that point at least ensures that you will not be a lottery team in those years. Maybe maybe you would want to be a lottery team if we end up being middling, but at least you have a starting off point with which to work from, and it's a really good starting off point. So any closing thoughts on just Anthony Davis and what he can bring in this like light at the end of the tunnel, end of his career, but also what he can bring to the team as a core centerpiece to maybe usher in the next generation, even though it does sound scary to be like, oh, he's going to be 33-34. Yeah, it's, I mean, he just brings so much defensively. I, he doesn't, even if he doesn't do anything offensively, let's say he falls off the face of the earth. Now, mind you, this guy's like a career 52% from the field. He obviously operates close to the basket and takes like mostly high percentage shots. So maybe field goal percentage is not the right thing to look at, but like, let's say his scoring, you know, drops off the map. He's only scoring 20 a game. You know, he's back down to like his second year in the league sort of numbers. Um, he still give like you mentioned the rebounding like that's going if as long as he's playing the center that's going to continue to be high he's getting the shot blocks he's getting the steals most importantly he's anchoring everything right so it's like you mentioned all these young guards we have and like young forwards we have like again if you're thinking about the one year and this is again by the way assuming lebron just decides to either leave or just hang it up after his the only two years he's currently under contract for. 
for that one year, I don't care if we're a lottery team. It's going to be a weird rebuildy type of year anyway. It's but like to your point, like we still have guys that we're trying like are going to be part of the next phase, the like post LeBron, post AD phase. There's it's there's going to be a phase, you know, we're going to get another player eventually. How do you attract a player to like your team is having a, a good core in place, right? It's scary for a guy to come and be like, okay, like this team has won 20 games the last two years. Um, you know, the the guys are all burnt out. Like none of these young guys have talent. They haven't learned the right ways to win and play properly. I'm a good player, but I'm not good enough to flip this team 40 games. You know what I mean? So like yeah. you have to have some sort of foundation so that a guy who's a free agent and is looking at your team can easily see how he can slot in and maybe elevate this team from like a 30 win team to a 40 win team, a 40 win team to a 50 win team, et cetera. Right. It's like, those are important things as we've seen in free agency. It's like, we saw this too at the end of Kobe's run, like, it's not the case anymore that LA is the number one free agent destination. The number one free agent destination is like wherever the money is. Um, so, and it's like a global league, et cetera. It's like, you're going to get your exposure anywhere. So, you know, it, it's not, we, we need to also stay competitive. We can't just like be shipping out assets and, having 20 win seasons and 60 win seasons and 20 win seasons, 60 win, like that model, like it may have worked at some point, but it's not going to work anymore. And I think, you know, sort of this, the signing fits with everything else this front office has done, which has been like a forward thinking kind of mindset of like, how are we going to build a culture of winning sort of like what the Spurs did making the playoffs 20 years in a row? Like, that's what our model is is trying to accomplish. Who knows if it's going to work, but like I think getting AD locked in is is a really good start in in that direction. And also, even when LeBron James retires in maybe two years, by that point you have like year five Austin Reeves, like year four Max Christie. Like I actually would push back on the fact that they'd be a fringe lottery team because yeah. I feel like the Lakers have set themselves up way better than they have in the past where I feel like the most similar sort of scary contract that you could equate this to was maybe when the Lakers extended Pow in 2011 to a three-year $57 million extension. And at the time, that was a no-brainer as well. But then Kobe blew out his Achilles a year after that. And that threw a wrench into everything, and Powell became less and less necessary in this all-of-a-sudden rebuild scenario for the Lakers, right? And it was the Lakers' mistake to just let him walk and get nothing for him. Right. But, which is why I'm saying, the reason why that ended up going wrong was because Kobe blew out his Achilles. They weren't expecting to rebuild in that situation, you know? Right. And so Powell just ended up, like, left there with ryan kelly and nick young all of a sudden you know what i mean but what 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 i'm trying to say is like the lakers are getting out ahead of all of that you know they're anticipating for kobe to 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 blow out his achilles in the sense that lebron james is going to retire and leave us you know but when that happens they're gonna have look in 80s second to last year before that player option 
You could potentially have a core of 33-year-old Anthony Davis, 28-year-old Austin Reeves hitting his prime, 23-year-old Max Christie, 28-year-old Rui Hachimura, and then potentially 23-year-old JHS, 24-year-old Maxwell Lewis. To me, the future is still bright, and that's assuming that's that's not even taking into account that there are free agency years, years before that, that the Lakers could continue to use to build up that core in anticipation of that moment, right? So for me... The future is very bright with this Anthony Davis extension, and I'm excited. We're just all crossing our fingers for continued health, and hopefully, just like Tim Duncan, I hope Anthony Davis can continue to find ways to be smarter about the way he uses his body, the way he treats the offseason, um, finding ways to gain that longevity and durability that Tim Duncan was able to find in the latter end of his career. And it's look, maybe it's going to look less exciting and more plotting, But you know, it doesn't matter because Anthony Davis can help a team in so many different ways, offensively and defensively. Maybe we end up seeing Anthony Davis turn into more of a Brooke Lopez towards the end of his career, right? But that is still very valuable when you you have up and coming guys like Austin Reeves, Max Christie, whoever else, you know, we also have first round draft picks coming up in those years as well. So yeah, with that said, I mean, Anthony Davis extension, we love it. We have no complaints. Let's go to infinity and beyond we go. Let's take it to break. When we return, let's close this episode out and talk about Mr. Austin Reeves, who is currently playing for Team USA. So we will catch you guys after the turn. Hey guys, quick call to action for yours truly, the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you just enjoy consuming our content, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Also, please take a moment to give us a five-star thumb tap on the Spotify app. Just search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial at the top of our page. It's that easy to do. We would greatly appreciate it. It will do a lot in determining the future of this show moving forward, especially as we head into the 2023-24 season. It would mean a lot. And again, at this point, it's the only thing that drives this show. With that said... Thank you for consuming our content, and please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we are back. Tommy, kind of a sidetrack question for you, but does your son Miles watch any television yet? Uh, He doesn't really have the attention span, but he can maybe, he could, there's some YouTube stuff that he could focus on for like five or 10 minutes. Oh yeah, YouTube is the go-to for kids at that age. Well, when he turns about two or three Make sure to have him check out DreamWorks Do Drop Diaries on Netflix okay. because that's the show that I wrote on during the pandemic. Oh, and fantastic. if you have little kids, particularly little girls, please check that out. Stream it in the background a million times over. Help us get a season two. And at the very least, check out episode 21, Chore Score. That's the episode that I solely wrote on. I technically wrote on every single episode since I was assisting the showrunner in all things writing, but that was the main episode that I pitched and solely wrote on from start to finish. It is about a girl getting her allowance for the first time and putting it in a piggy bank and losing a coin. So that's all I'll give you with regards to spoiler Ooh. alerts. But yeah, if you, have a, if you have little girls or just kids in general, check out DreamWorks Do Drop Diaries on Netflix. Help us out. We want a season two. And yeah, catch your boy's name in the credits, by the way. Anyway, personal promo stuff out of the way. Let's get back to talking about the Lakers and particularly Austin Reeves. So as you all know, currently Austin Reeves is playing for Team USA in the FIBA. 
I'm not even sure what you call it right now. FIBA championships? This is before the... When's the next Olympics? Next year, dog. Next year. Oh, my bad. I'm so out of the loop. But yeah, they're playing for... Allison Reeves is playing for Team USA. I'll leave it at that. But what I want to talk about is... <laughs> in some capacity. <laughs> in some capacity. Uh, what I want to talk about... I want to talk about Austin Reeves with regards to this upcoming season and what this Team USA stint may do for his third year. Because on the one hand, you could make your argument that Austin Reeves really had a standout sophomore year, and he did. But I think there, you can make the argument that this third year will be his biggest test yet because after the outstanding playoff performance he had where he was literally the Lakers' third best player unquestionably, that the whole league is tired of hearing about Austin Reeves and they will be so honed in on him next year that you wonder whether a regression is coming and whether Austin Reeves at 25 years old can make another leap on top of that. Um, And that's what we're going to be debating today or just assessing. So to quickly look back on Austin Reeves' 2022-23 season, in the regular season, Austin averaged 13 points, 3 rebounds, 3.4 assists on 53% from the field, 39.8% from 3, essentially 40% from 3, hitting 1.33s a game, 86% from the stripe. I caveat those stats with the fact that in the first half of the season, Austin Reeves wasn't a focal point of our offense, right? Because Russell Westbrook was still on the team. So those averages rise even further when you look at the second half of his season. Now, the playoffs is probably a better indication of what Austin Reeves with real usage and a real primary role looks like. And the fact that he excelled from top to bottom is, is nothing short of amazing. In the playoffs, Austin averaged 17 points, 4.4 rebounds, 4.6 assists on 46% from the field, 44% from three, hitting 2.4 a game, 89% from the stripe. So while his field goal percentage dropped from 53 to 46, his three-point percentage rose from 39-40% to 44%, and then his volume of threes rose from 1.3 to 2.4, and that's what's really encouraging to me about those numbers outside of the fact that 17, 4, and 5 is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he's 25 years old. He's already done some otherworldly things, context considered of where he was drafted and how his journey in the NBA has gone thus far. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Austin Reeves coming into year three? Are you a little bit worried about that Linsanity effect in the sense that when Linsanity went on his huge run, by the time he faced like some of the upper echelon teams like the Miami Heat, their sole focus was to lock Lynn down. And I'm not comparing Austin Reeves to Jeremy Lynn because obviously Austin Reeves has done this for a longer amount of time. But I feel like last year, and especially the playoffs, was the first time the whole league turned their eyes and sights to Austin Reeves in an almost, is this dude an all-star sort of capacity? And this third year, this next year, is going to be the true test for him. But having seen what I've seen from his play and even just the short clips and flashes we've seen from FIBA, I am not that worried about Austin Reeves at all. And if if giving him more usage is any indication and the fact that he became just as efficient and even more efficient in some respects, and when you turn the limelight on him and the lights got brighter, he rose to those moments in the playoffs. I don't know. I am not 
that worried about I, I'm sure there's going to be a regression in maybe the percentages and the fact that teams will be scouting him a lot heavier but given everything that Austin has shown us as a player and how smart he is how he continues to grow like week by week year by year um, I'm still expecting very big things from him and I think this upcoming season we could see what he put up in the playoffs especially if the Lakers continue to groom him in this primary initiator role and give him more on-ball opportunities as they did in the playoffs. So I could see him still averaging this whole entire 82-game season this upcoming year, 17 points, 4 rebounds, maybe more like 3.5 assists and maybe his percentages go to 45 and 38% from 3 but I still think that's totally fine. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Austin Reeves and his upcoming year and whether or not we may be... Like, yeah, have we just... Was last year his ceiling or is there still more to come for Austin Reeves, in your opinion? I think there's a lot more to come. I mean, here the thing... And maybe I'm too high on Reeves, honestly, but I have been since his rookie season. I mean, frankly, I thought with all the injuries during his rookie season to LeBron and AD... And given the rest of our roster makeup, Austin was legitimately our third best player, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. After LeBron and AD, like he played, he appeared in 61 games, obviously at the beginning of the season, it wasn't always the heaviest minutes, but putting aside the stats, you could just kind of, you could tell that this guy could play basketball. It was, it felt like almost, I mean, we've seen it with like, um, with other young guys who have come through, right? We've had a lot of Kyle Kuzma in the summer league. Like you weren't sure if he was going to be able to maintain that like level of production that he did during the summer league, his first year. And like during his rookie season, when our team was a lotto team and he was, you know, jacking up shots, but like you could tell this guy is an NBA player and he has proven that right over the years. Same thing with Caruso, same thing with guys like Larry Nance, like, Austin Reeves came in and from the very beginning clearly was an NBA player. The question I had, I think, was answered last season, which was with more reps and with more on-ball responsibility and with more minutes, basically generally increased volume in all categories, would he be able to maintain his efficiency? And he, like, not only maintained, but, like, you know, improved his efficiency in pretty much all categories from first to second year his shooting percentage went up six percent his overall percentage right his three-point shooting percentage went up over eight percent his free throw shooting percentage went up he doubled his assists like you know obviously he was playing a lot more with the ball in his hands but he made those leaps and then when we went to the playoffs again like looking to see how how does somebody's production get cut when the bright lights are on and everyone is like, it's like, forget the regular season of 82 games, you know, half these games teams are coming off back to backs or teams are coming off four games and five nights. And, you know, some guys aren't taking it seriously, you know, whatever, right. It's like, you're playing, you played 16 games solely against, you know, among the best teams in the Western conference Mm -hmm. and you read off the numbers, right? His efficiencies, again, maybe the field goal percentage went slightly down without the getting as many fouls in later rounds, but, like, free throw percentage, he was, like, 90%. You know what I mean? He, like, and he upped all his efficiency. He upped his assists while keeping his turnovers, like, the same as they were during the regular season. He upped his scoring. I mean, this guy can just play basketball. It's like, and then now you see, like, you mentioned the clips with FIBA, 
you know, he's doing things we saw him do, but he looks even more fluid. I mean, it's just like you're and seeing... more confident. He looks like Devin Booker out there doing like forearm shivers into step back, pull up off the dribble jump shots. And I'm like, oh, Well, okay. it's just like interesting, right? Because it's like you... I think like what you get used to as an NBA fan is like seeing these high lotto picks who come into the league so raw, right? And then like they the player they are as a first year player versus the player they are as a fourth year player. It's like you, if you watch the film, you could like barely understand that this is the same guy with Austin Reeves. It's like the opposite, right? He came in as an undrafted, like older player. You kind of already saw what he could do. It's just, he took everything that he does and refined it so well that like, he is elite at so many of these things now. I mean, you mentioned like the Devin Booker, like mid-range pull-ups, like he's got so many things in his bag. He's not just like a three-point shooter. He's not just like, I need the ball in my hands. He could play with the ball in his hands. He could play without the ball in his hands. He can cut. He can finish around the basket. He can make plays for himself, make plays for teammates. I mean, you can't stop this guy, really. And I know that sounds crazy to say. <laughs> you can. But you can. I mean, because like, what are you? So what? You take away his scoring? He's going to figure out how to pass. You overplay him on the perimeter? He's going to back cut you and create problems on the, and like the interior of your defense. Like, he's so smart and he showed that he can do this playing, again, not just a high volume of games, playing a high volume of minutes and being a focal point of the offense. I mean, everybody saw, like, in the Memphis series, game one of the playoffs, Austin Reeves' first playoff game, and LeBron is standing in the corner while Austin Reeves, like, runs the offense and wins us the game. You know? Yeah. So, like, it, it, it's just, like, I... That this is like why even when we were discussing if someone poison pills this guy, do you still do the do you still yeah. match it? And we were both sort of like, even if someone literally gives this guy a max contract, I would still match it because in three years, what he's making thirty million dollars, but like he is like one of the best players in his entire class, and those guys will also be getting paid that much. So, yeah. well, luckily we didn't have to do that, but like I, I just, I, I don't. It's like crazy. Like he's so good, and and I think he looks like, like Mono Ginobili out there. That is like you know we've we've thrown that comp around willy nilly, kind of like half heartedly laughing and stuff like. But that is literally the most apt comp. And the more and more I see him, because he's taken some of his innate basketball on ball creation skills that he already had. But as you're seeing him get more usage and get more time with like these bigger stars like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and get more used to the NBA speed. You're seeing him become more decisive, clean up some of his messiness that he had, some of his like loose handle stuff, Jordan Poole like tendencies. And man, once you you mentioned it, he's starting to refine his game, plus add the confidence and decisiveness in his movements. And when you get that, that's Manu Ginobili. He's so crafty out there, but I've never seen such a, I've never seen a combo of craftiness and skill and herky jerkiness while still also sort of being hard-nosed and physical the way Austin is, because he still yeah. likes to draw contact and absorb bodies, right, and get and-ones and all this stuff. So he's such an interesting player because, like you mentioned, you think you've got him on one end, and he'll just run right through your body, you know, because he's not afraid of contact. Because usually when you think of herky-jerky, skilled, crafty players, you don't also associate them with being dudes who will just ram right into the defense and try and get an and one, you know? So you think of like Trey young and Steve Nash and like these types of guys. Right. But like 
Austin Reeves is like that, but bigger and stronger. I think like the peer reviews he's getting also speak volumes. Like D'Angelo Russell, it just and Pat Bev are not known for being guys to be like. Maybe Pat Bev, I shouldn't throw him in here. Certainly, D'Angelo Russell is not known for being a guy, especially you know going like coming off a contract year like just signed a contract that he probably feels is below his market. Um, and and part of that is due to the fact that we have Austin Reeves already and we have someone who could sort of fill that per, uh, backcourt void for us. And notwithstanding all, like the natural inherent competition that that would like pull out of somebody, D'Angelo Russell has nothing but amazing things to say about this yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> he loves this guy. He's not just like he's a great teammate. He's like this guy can actually like, I, like really really play basketball. And I yeah, I'm, I'm just like really really excited about Austin. I think another thing, by the way, that's going to help him this season maintain his efficiency and even continue to like elevate his game further is for 75 or 70% of the season last year. Yeah. We needed Austin to hit some threes and we needed him to do some things on offense, but we mainly needed him as like a perimeter defensive player. Like, cause our perimeter defense was so poor last mm-hmm. year, you know, for most of the season, obviously we got Vanderbilt who's returning. That's going to help a lot. We picked up Gabe Vincent. That's going to help a lot. Torian Prince can defend Cam Reddish, you know, has some upside on that end. Um, there are other guys who are going to be able to play some defense. I think yeah. like, you know, by the time we got to the nuggets and like, we were asking like LeBron was playing on one leg, like D'Angelo sort of faded away. Like we were asking Austin to be our best player on both and ends. He was, like, he averaged and he, 25 and, like, and five on 50% on both field goals and threes. But yeah, you're right. He couldn't, expend himself on the defensive end as well exactly and he was like dying by the time we got to the end of that series right so like the nice thing now is we have other options for him and and so like he can be his best self on both sides like i'm not saying he's going to take the defensive side off because that is a big part of what he brings but like he he will have the energy to do both this year that i don't think he necessarily had for most of i say last season but honestly most of the last two seasons like Austin Reeves as a summer league like signing or whatever undrafted rookie free agent as a first year player was one of our best defensive players as a rookie. So like, you know, he he can do those things and it's a big part of what he does. But yeah, I, I think I don't I'm not really worried about the efficiency. He seems to be getting in better and better shape. And the guy is just a competitor, right? Like I'm not a golfer myself, but like he's constantly talking about golf and like, you know, how much he likes to be out there and like competing. And like, that's like his favorite off court activity, activity, right? Which is like a good sign because, you know, it's, he's just like in all aspects of his life, probably maintaining this like competitive nature. And yeah, it's like when he is on the court, it is crazy. This guy has no fear. I it's like funny you bring the Linsanity thing, uh, like the Linsanity comp because that is another case of a guy where I you just look at him and you're like, "How do you have no fear?" <laughs> you know what I mean out there. <laughs> and like, yeah, Austin, I think the big thing, right, is he's done it for a couple seasons and in the playoffs already. But um you you get that same sense. It's like this guy is out there sharing a court with LeBron and AD on his own team you know, a bunch of other vets, a bunch of other talented guys his age and a few years older um, against like the most elite competition in the NBA. And he's just like, nah, I'm as good as these guys. Like it's it's so rare to find something like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think there is going to be an adjustment period 
when the season starts and everybody's honing in on Austin as the quote-unquote third guy. Um, But I think Austin Reeves should be able to weather that storm. So even if there is a little bit of a rough patch where he has more turnovers, his efficiency is down, uh, I think you also can't overlook and underrate the Western Conference Finals bump coupled with the Team USA bump. Oh, yeah. I mean, There's how many times have we talked about... Yeah, how, have we, how many times have we talked about like, oh, Anthony Davis just won the championship. He's going to get that championship bump or Kuzma's going to get that championship bump. What has the finals done for Alex Caruso's career, right? Like right. these players who come off of these long runs, the next season, they typically end up maintaining that momentum you know and the fact that austin has the western conference finals bump where he was the best player outside of anthony davis and lebron james where he i mean he averaged 25 and 5 on 50 50 i believe okay so he's coming off this western conference finals run and then you're coupling it with team usa play where he's amongst pretty much other all-stars in his age range and he's holding up with them and maybe even going to be in the starting lineup. Like that is going to do so much for him coming into next season that even if he faces stiffer defenses and may even get some double teams and whatnot, I think he'll be able to, it'll level out. You know what I mean? And the last thing I'll say is my hot take slash prediction for Austin Reeves. Tommy is, I think he has a good shot of winning most improved player of the year next year, especially given the fact that it sounds like the Lakers want to give him the ball more And if he's able to even just semi-replicate the statistical jump he made from the regular season to the playoffs, where it was 13 points to 17 points, four rebounds, five assists with relatively high efficiency from the, from, you know, two point land, but three point wise, he's like 40% on high volume. If he can even just make that statistical jump, but do it for a full 82 game regular season and the Lakers are a top four team in the West and he is unquestionably the third best player on this team, I could see him being a most improved player contender. No, I a hundred percent agree. And again, a big part of this is like the vault, like he doesn't, he, his usage is notwithstanding everything we just said, his usage is not that high, you know, which is crazy. Cause he makes such a big impact, but you see, you, you mentioned the 17 points a game that was on 12 shot field goal attempts per game. It's not like this dude is taking 15, 20 shots a game and it's like, well, where is he going to get those shots with AD and LeBron and D'Lo and whatever? Like, the nice thing about Austin is he can be the third best guy, but he doesn't even need... It's not like he's Bradley Beal, like, um, in that Sun situation. Like, he just needs to be the third best guy most nights. If he has an off night, D'Angelo Russell is there. He's, like, a borderline, like, all-star type player, right? Like, yeah. Rihachimura can score. Like, there's other guys... Gabe Vincent is there. He can He can get hot sometimes. Like... There are other guys around who can like sort of fill in. Um, but yeah, you know, I like the FIBA bump too that you mentioned. I forgot to mention, obviously, like we saw it obviously in our own past a decade or so ago, plus with Lamar Odom. I can't remember mm-hmm. when exactly he did it, if it was before the first championship or in between the two or when it was, but like, you know, he was even later in his career than Austin. And you saw the impact when he came back for the beginning of the season. Like he just looked like a more decisive player. And I think Austin will see that as well. Yeah. So the future is looking bright for this upcoming season and the upcoming seasons after that with Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves. So I feel like that's a perfect episode to talk about those two core main pieces on this Lakers team and franchise moving forward. So with that said, 
That'll do it for this episode. We will catch you guys next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app or on the Spotify app as well. Just search up Lakers Legacy on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial on the left-hand side of our page. And with that said, Tommy, let's go watch some more Austin Reeves in a Team USA jersey. I will catch you later. Peace. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.